My name is Candido, and along with my co-host James, we've put together a virtual series called the One Love Art Sessions. Our goal is to bring talent and community together for creativity, heart-to-heart -heart discussions, and chill vibes. While in a workshop, the host stated and emphasized consistency compounds. It's the idea that if you keep at your work, your work will give back to you. The two artists that join us this session, in our opinions, have done and continue to do just that. Chris RWK and Tom Travers help us explain the work that's needed to find success in our industry. Let's jump in. So joining us tonight, we have Chris RWK, a New York-based artist who developed the iconic Cold Boy Robot. In addition to his personal work, in collaboration with another artist, developed Robots Will Kill, a community that helps give recognition to other artists. He is also a co-host of the Urban Robot Cat uh, podcast. Chris, what am I missing? Help us better get to know who you are. That's about it. I mean, uh, I've been uh, uh, doing art for quite some time, you know, like every other kid I was drawing, you know, and doing all the, the, the normal kid kind of cartoons and everything like that. But basically when all my friends started playing, you know, football, basketball, all that stuff, I just, I kept drawing. Uh, I started like really getting into cartoons and comics. Uh, and then like around age 11, I got into graffiti, uh, mainly through my brother who he was older than me and he was, you know, him and his friends were doing it. So I was like kind of just following along and taking pictures and stuff like that. And then from there, you know, I started doing my own stuff, uh, went to FIT, got my associates from there. Then I went over to Hunter, got my BFA. Uh, after I graduated, I did a lot of work for you know, a few different companies. Uh, I used to do a lot of hand-painted clothing for Urban Outfitters back around like 2000, 1999, 2000. Uh, worked with them for quite a few years and then, uh, you know, still did my nine to five regular job. Um, and then, you know, I do as many art shows as I can. I do a lot of sticker stuff, a lot of murals, pretty much, pretty much anything I can do right. while, I, while I can. That's the way I look at it. Sure, you know? sure. Absolutely. First off, man, I'm a huge fan. I've been a huge fan for years. Uh, I follow you on Instagram for a minute. So this is an incredible honor to have you here. I appreciate um, that. Thank you. So one, of the, one of the things I definitely love about you is you have this, you know, signature style about you and you have you know, obviously the robot and anyone that knows you knows about the robot. Uh, um, so <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about your journey in developing your style and, and you know, what makes you you? I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Thank you for the kind words. I definitely appreciate that. You know, I just kind of, over the years, just kind of looking at different things, you know, kind of getting different inspirations from all over the place, you know, just not, not just from one specific genre of art. Uh, it was like one of the things like when we launched Robots Will Kill back in 2001 was I wanted, I wanted people that were like into like graffiti, knowing about fine artists. I wanted fine artists knowing about graffiti and photography, all that stuff. I wanted, I wanted people to realize that there's inspiration from all over, not just one specific pigeonhole kind of like thing. So with that, I just kind of like used to look at whatever I could look at, you know, comic books were a huge influence. And I always loved, I loved the idea of something iconic that you could see it and know that that's that character. So I knew that I wanted to kind of just kind of develop something along those lines. So like in the, like the, the mid nineties, I was doing a lot of, um, I was doing a lot of paintings with the that the cube that everybody learned how to do like in grammar school you know the the three-dimensional cube yeah so i loved the idea that if somebody saw that they'd have some kind of connection to it because they definitely did it in school oh yeah so, absolutely. yeah so from there it went to i started drawing more of like a television and a and a radio from that image because it kind of just was like a natural kind of mm. you know progression and everybody had some kind of connection to music or television. So it kind of continued that kind of like, you know, feeling. So from that, like the, around the late nineties, I started doing like more of a boxy robot, something that was not as human feeling, just kind of just almost like a generic box headed robot. And I, and I didn't like that. It, it, it felt cold. It, it didn't feel like something that everybody could relate to. So that's when the robot that I do now kind of started taking form was like around 99. Um, 
you know, he's got the the simple eyes. He's got the the hunch, like the the slouch, kind of like most people have. Um, he's got the X over his heart, like where his heart or his engine would be. Um, and like around that time when I was developing him, I came up with the the name, the, you know, the acronym of Po Boy, which stands for um, uh, uh, prosthetic organic bot of youth. So it kind of like had the idea of the robotic, but it also had the idea of the, the, the human aspect. So we know you as a New York based artist. We know that you participate in murals. We know um, that we've seen your work in uh, sticker format in galleries. Um, but I, I want to ask about your experience in conventions. All right. Okay. Um, comic conventions have in recent times exploded into something completely different. I'm, uh, a friend of ours talks about his experience going to conventions in the basement of churches. And now he's got to go and have this whole, you know, push through a crowd so that you could get that hallmark ornament. Um, yep. I've been there. What, I, I, that was actually like was my first, my first conventions were in VFW halls, churches, okay. hotels in the city. Just that, that, that small select crowd. Yeah. <laughs> that was, a, that was as a participant or were you, yeah. uh, Okay. Yeah, back then that was as a participant. That was yeah. me collecting comics and getting into like that scene and and that feeling. You know, when like, did you start uh, getting your own vendor table? You know, being um, guest at the event. Well, I, I vended at other kind of events. Like I, I vended at a lot of music events in like okay. the early two thousands. Um, those I did for quite some time. Uh, there was some events events out in and in Jersey. One was called Bamboozle. Um, tons of bands would play just all day and I would set up a table selling shirts, uh, tote bags, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then as far as like conventions, I mean like the New York comic-con, you know, when it finally started in New York, I mean, it was very, I don't know if anybody was at it. It was very low key and it wasn't great. And it was kind of small. And then it just kind of built and built and built. And, and back then I just didn't even think about getting a table. I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. Like I just, thought of going like I just wanted to go and then as time went on I'm like why why am I not getting a table here you know why am I not trying to you know sell my artwork why am I just appreciating everybody else's Mm. so um I had uh one year I teamed up with Boundless Brooklyn I curate their artist section on their website um and so I had teamed up with them and we had had a booth and then you know I did well you know and then after that five points came along and we were doing you know i was doing five points every year they've had it so far um at that i was doing you know vending but i was also doing live painting um you know just kind of i was trying uh, trying to find a way to to enjoy the show and not just work it right. and doing the live painting gave me that that opportunity you know because you know i'd have you know the, my stepson or uh my friend uh uh, Vin uh, Rega, he would come with me and he'd watch the table. He would you know, bring some of his paintings. So that community that is in, in those like scenes is just, it's an incredibly supportive one. And, you know, it's, it's fun. And that's, that's a good thing is, is it's still fun. You know, like when I was doing the, the music stuff and the music events, it kind of got a little burnt out because as time went on, the kids that were going to it weren't, weren't spending money like they were just coming to tables looking for like what's in the five dollar bin you know they weren't they weren't spending ten dollars even for a t-shirt and it didn't Mm. matter what company it was it was just they all kind of like this mindset kind of changed and i don't know if it was because of like how big like the internet got and social media and stuff like that i don't know if it was you know that mentality of that instant gratification and that like quick kind of thing and let me get what you have for five bucks Instead of, you know, I like that shirt, I'm going to spend $15 on it, you know. We frequent these these conventions. And so I would imagine that at some point you have repeat customers. How have you, as an artist, battled that fatigue of the re- repeat customer fatigue? Like, what have you done to combat that? That's a great question. Because yeah. to be honest, as an artist, I mean, as an artist, especially with a specific kind of style that people know, that happens it happens way too frequently. I mean, I've always kind of tried to approach each um, event differently in this, and just like the, the mindset of, you know, uh, 
last year I had, you know, uh, t-shirts with this kind of design on it in this color. Mm. So the next year I'm going to do something that's different, a different color, something that can, can catch the, the, the event, uh, the attendee's eye. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky and it's hard to do. I mean, uh, but I also tried to have new product that I didn't have at the previous year. So like, for example, the first year was mostly, um, say pins and patches. Right. Then, then the next year would be tote bags and, and, and t-shirts or more hand painted stuff. Because I think once you start doing like, because that was like a big difference with, with what I was doing. And I guess a lot of the other artists is because a lot of the other artists had kind of product and like, whether it was prints or merchandise, it was, you know, it was mass produced. So like when I was doing a lot of the pieces I was doing were all hand done pieces. So people, I think felt a little bit more of an attachment to that. And they were kind of like, well, that's, even though he did the robot on wood last year, this one's on metal this year and Mm. it's different. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a trick. I'll be honest. I mean, it's a tricky thing. I mean, it's a question that I always ask, you know, it's like, you know, and, and the thing is, is, you know, what I might like, uh, you know, not everybody's going to like, and like when I think it's going to be like a, you know, like a, a hit shirt or a hit painting, you know, like the viewers are just like, uh, huh. What else you got? It's just like, okay. It's, you funny. never know. That's funny. That, that I just heard a TED talk earlier um, and the artist was speaking about that same exact thing. She had painted 1,000 paintings and she had a spectrum of sentiments towards her 1,000 works. And um, the ones that she thought were her worst sold the quickest and the ones that she thought were her best, she still has in her collection. So she said something along the lines of uh, not only are we our biggest critics, but like we stand in our own way sometimes, uh, you know, because we, we're, we're unaware of, of what our audience is. So we just have to step back and remove ourselves from that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I sit there and stuff I paint, uh, you know, I, I curse at it. You know, I, <laughs> I, I'm just like, I'm like, what, what, you know, where's this going? You know, and then like, you know, like a friend will stop by and they're like, that's great. And I'm like, this? I was like, no, nah, I'm like, this. <laughs> right, right. You know, or like I'll or like I'll paint process shots and like I'll paint because I do a lot of layers to my canvases, my and my paintings, mm-hmm. and and like I'll just like I like to post kind of the process because I get to see it and mm-hmm. the viewer doesn't. You know, the, even the person who's buying the painting doesn't get to see all those under layers and 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 kind of experience the experience of the painting. Right. So like I'll post progress shots and people are like that's perfect leave it and i'm like mm. Dude, that's like the third layer i'm like i'm not nowhere done that's you know true. and you know and i've had people try to like buy the paintings you know and it's just like uh no i, I i'm not done you know and it's like it, it's it's weird but yeah i mean like you know we are our own critics i mean artists definitely have their own critics and they're definitely yeah. it's weird because it's it either goes one of two ways it's either you are super confident and you think you're the most amazing artist in the world or you're the most self-doubting artist and you just don't know what you're doing, but you might be doing something right. Right. You know, yeah. it's tough. <laughs> no, definitely. I, yeah, I often uh, create things and automatically want to throw them in the trash. <laughs> um, uh, true, and, then, and then, yeah. And then, I mean, I'll, I'll do client work and, they'll i always i'll include something that i hate and it'll be the one thing they love and i'm like don't that was the thing that you were supposed to hate and they're like i love that i love that yeah (laughs) let's go with that one and i'm like oh my god this is this is going to be out in public and and people are going to know that i did this (laughs) do you know know what you're putting me through right now (laughs) um uh so chris uh you've uh worked with a lot of other artists uh what do you what do you aim to gain out of those collaborations and is it something that you would uh, encourage other artists to do as well? Uh, and for extra credit, uh, <laughs> do you have like a favorite collaboration? Who's your favorite, who's your favorite a, child? You, you, put, you put me in the Sophie's <laughs> Choice kind of thing right there. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So what do I, what do I get out of collaborations? Why doing them? One, it's a huge challenge. 
and it's a huge um, push. The way I've always looked at a collaboration is you have to make it work on every level. And there's a difference between like, like a simple collaboration sticker or a finished product kind of collaboration design. So with collaborations, like if I'm collaborating with somebody like say Night Owl, so for a while there, a lot of the stickers I was doing was black and white. I wasn't messing with color because I kind of got burnt out on it. So a lot of the stickers I was doing were just black and white. Then here's Night Owl who sends me a ton of these bright colored stickers. And I'm just looking at them. I'm just like, mm, okay, <laughs> all right. I can't just do black line robots on it. Like I have to, I have to step up my game. And that's what I think a great part of collaborations is, is learning what you can do by looking at that other person's work, learning what you can kind of pull off and step up, you know, step up to the plate. Sure. And I mean, in the early 2000s, like when I was really kind of pushing like sticker collaborations to people and they kind of didn't understand it at first, I'd be like, listen, I'm going to send you stickers. They're going to be half done and then you've got to finish them. And they're like, uh, and then what do I do with them? I'm like, well, you finish them and then we, <laughs> we, we put them on, but like we get them out there. And, um, and it was almost like they didn't get it. But then once they kind of like caught on, like it, it really caught on. And, um, you know, so collaborations, I think are just a, a great, a great way to meet artists and kind of push your work. And I think, um, I definitely suggest artists to do them. I mean, I, I, we used to back in the nineties when I was in college, we would like, um, request like a painting studio for the night at the school and like we'd be able to get it out we'd be able to like not rent it out because it didn't cost money but we reserved the time till like two o'clock in the morning so classes would end like around nine and then we would like all go and just just paint together and we would work on these canvases and the person next to you is doing something totally different than what you would do and it really just helped you develop and push because you're seeing what they're able to do with the same materials you have. So it really pushed me as an artist and I think it pushed other artists too. So, I mean, I definitely, definitely suggest, you know, getting out there and, and, and collaborating with other artists. Um, as far as a favorite collaboration I've done. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to have to narrow it down. I mean, do you, do you want a, a sticker, a t-shirt, canvas mural what do you like what are uh dealer's choice like if you can look back and be like this one thing you're like this was awesome like it could even be just the process it doesn't even have to be the finished right. work well night owl anytime i collaborate with him is always fun like we do a lot of cam we've done a lot of stickers we've done a bunch of new canvases and stuff like that he's yeah, always awesome he's always yeah. great to work with um and he's super like quick and he he's like he, there's no hesitation there um as far as like murals and stuff like that, when I paint with Venge, that's one of my favorite times because we both just kind of get each other and we just know what we're doing. And it just, he has a completely like different realistic style and I have my cartoonish illustrative style and it's just, it works. Um, another person I love collaborating with is uh, a friend of mine over in Belgium. His name's Jesse R. Uh, we've done a lot of like cardboard paintings and stickers and stuff like that over the years. Um, Years ago, I did a sticker with Nose Go that was one of my favorite collaborations. Uh, it, it, it's it's tough. I'll be honest. I mean, you know, if Doze, there's this guy, D-O-A-Z. Uh, we've been doing these wood install pieces. I don't know if you've seen those where um, he's been cutting out pieces of wood. Uh, I did see I, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, we, then I've been painting on them and like he'll cut out the robot and like I'll paint the robot and then we'll do, it's like multi-layered and then they get bolted up to poles and stuff like that. And, mm. you know, you know, unfortunately most of them don't last long because people steal them, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, it's part of the game, but right. those are fun as hell because it's something totally different than what I've done. And his work, it's just, it just works perfectly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, those have been fun as hell. I think, um, I, I think I recently started following him uh, nice. through one of your posts. Nice. Uh, yeah. I kind He's, of, I, I went through a wormhole, like a black hole of like his stuff, <laughs> oh. um, which is always fun. Yeah, he's, he's good. He's a good dude and he's talented, which is, is always cool. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, like, yeah. you know, you know, it's it, collaborations are fun. I mean, I'll be honest, like, like I was saying before, like, I've always liked people to be able to see what else is out there. And it's not just, you know, you, just because you, you know, are a graffiti artist doesn't mean you only have to look at graffiti. And, you know, when I'm doing collaborations and that the styles that it's completely different than mine, it's just, it's just a great kind of feeling mm-hmm. to just to finish a piece. I mean, like to finish something, you know, like one of these other artists and, you know, one having them agree to do it is a huge, you know, you know, success to begin with, you know, and then pulling off a great piece, you know? So one of the things we're definitely talking about today is consistency. Uh, and something I've, I've seen, and not that it's become more prominent, I guess it's become more prominent probably because of social media is, you know, artists that, that have one standard kind of thing that they do, right? So you have your robot, uh, maybe you have like someone like Zero who has, you know, his pigeon, um, you have Night Owl. So you know, it's this, this I would call like a subgenre of artists that define, that have this character, right? And they, they put in all these different scenarios and it's, it's what they do, right? Hmm. Where when you talk to other artists, they work in these, in these pockets, in these little series, right? So you can talk to an artist and be like, you know, last year I did all roses and this year I'm just painting ducks. And, you know, so, you know, at what point did you decide, like, this is what I'm going to do, right? And more so, like, do you look at your work as, you know, series? Do you have a series of work? Maybe, like, you know, last year this was this, was this series that dealt with the robot and this year I'm doing this. Like, do you look at your work at th- like that or is it just one whole bucket of stuff? Like, how do you index it, I guess? Um, well, first off, Zero is another one I've collaborated with. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love Zero. He's one of the one of the best dudes out there. Zero did, uh, uh, Zero did one of the Black Shop collective shows. Nice, nice. Yeah, he's an awesome yeah. dude. Yeah, he's really good, dude. Um, we had just done a mural a couple weeks ago, me and him. The, the Life is a Juggle, Juggling Act piece. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. but uh i don't i don't see it as a bunch of different series because i do a lot of series pieces okay so i kind of look at it as kind of like one whole kind of thing i i've never kind of like looked at it like you know 2020 i'm only going to work on this series like i've always just kind of looked at it as you know i'm an artist that you know i might you know do a series of like post-it notes. Like that's another thing I do a lot of is the post-it notes. And that's like a, that's kind of like been an ongoing series of, mm. of just, but it's, it's an ongoing series of the material, not content. Right. You know, so uh, just like the, the ferry ride drawings I was doing for a long time, you know, that is a series, but it's a series of, of the drawings, not a series of, of work. It's just the, it's just the the material that I'm using at the time. You know, so I was I, trying to remember if that was you or not. I was, <laughs> in my head, I was like, I feel like you had this this one point where I would always go on Instagram and you would be on the ferry just like, yep. like drawing either like something about your job or like people you're seeing on the ferry or just like life in general. And yep. I remember yeah. it was like, it was, it was cool. Yeah, those, those are fun. I mean, I, I love doing those. Um, that's actually one thing I miss, you know, not going to work. You know, I don't, I don't see people constantly you know and and consistently like seeing people i think is a huge driving force too because like i get to see the characters you know that are out there you know so being being home being home this whole time has been a little rough and and (laughs) uninspiring in that way allow me to introduce (laughs) i'm so embarrassed tom travers it's all right man we're glad that you're here um tom it's all right, man. We're going to get you jumped right into the conversation. With, uh, I, apologize. I apologize profusely. I'm so sorry. I apologize. <laughs> so uh, Tom Travers is also a New York-based artist uh, who is carving his space in the comics industry. Um, you can find him participating in most Long Island, New York comic conventions and working tirelessly on his independent project, Battle Skull. Yes. Tom, while you're here, we're going to just, uh, we're just going to throw a question at you, man, just to get you involved in the, in the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. as you have developed your particular style because that's that's an important part of this conversation here is that this consistency element what's been your experience in conventions and how do you deal with buyer fatigue because of your signature style all right let's see if you could get some of those in all right um so 
you just want like my general convention experience to begin with like how, yeah how yeah growing over the years or that kind of thing yeah yeah let's get that um yeah so um i started out i actually did the very first or maybe it was like the second new york comic-con um like years ago it was easier to get in it was affordable and like my friends right. from college we just we had our own little comic we we did the show and that's like that's where i first got the bug for it um and it was you know i had a great experience there it's not like we had a major success or anything but it was just it was so fun to um you know get your artwork out there and interact with people and um you know and have a project to share with people and so i, I got really into that and started to do the local shows on Long Island. Um, uh, Eternal Con was one of the first shows I did totally by myself. And um, yeah, I just enjoyed doing shows tremendously, mainly for the, uh, the interaction with people is probably the best part. Like meeting people, mm. like when I met you, like that, that was great. Right. You know, so meeting, meeting people, talking about art, talking about comics, talking about, you know, similar interests and showing your artwork and showing what you do. And, you know, it's always nice to see people get excited about the work and, and you, you know, you start conversations that way. So over the years, I've just done more and more shows. I, I try to do them consistently. Um, you know, this year has been super weird without the convention. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I guess that's, yeah. I mean, as far as conventions, I've just, I've been pretty involved in local shows for a good, good number of years now. So okay. I enjoy that. Then, uh, you, then you want me to, what's, what was the second part of the question? There's the yeah, buyer so, fatigue. <laughs> right. So, so um, f for, any, for everyone who's, uh, who's listening, um, Tom has a very distinct style. I'll describe it um, and he can add if he, if he would like. But, um, and, and it's something that Chris mentioned earlier is this idea of allowing the viewer into the process. So Tom has a very distinct style in that where he doesn't remove his process from the final piece. So in, in most comic work, You'll, you'll see some beautiful coloring, some beautiful inking, but you don't see the rough sketching that goes in prior to. And what Tom has decided to do is to leave that there and leave it for the viewer, uh, leave it for the person who's about to purchase the print. Now, with that said, um, how have you dealt with uh, or, or avoided buyer fatigue at these conventions? Because I would imagine that by now, since you've participated in so many, some people are coming back to you. What are you doing? uh yeah that definitely does happen like i, I get a sense of uh especially because i only like i mentioned i do the local shows so <laughs> you you know you get yeah um you definitely get repeat customers i see the same people and i see the same artists at, at the table so there is that element of um you know overlap uh with the shows to i just try to keep it i try to always have at least two or three fresh pieces um for for any given show if i can if it's realistic you know, for me to have new work done uh, in time, you know, for a forthcoming show, I, I really try to have a couple of new things. Um, I also like, I don't always put out the same stuff at every show. Okay. Um, you know, I'll, I'll put out, you know, certain prints at certain shows and certain, th you know, I, I try to have variety that way. Because um, yeah, it's, I think it's important to, um, to have every time someone comes to your table, it should be like a new experience as much as you can make it a new experience right. um, to, keep, to keep things interesting. Cause it can get boring. Like I, I even me as a fan, I've, I've gone to shows and I, you know, I notice oh, I saw that artist at the last show or whatever, and he's got the same stuff, you know? So mm -hmm. you're just like, you know, and you're just like, all right, I'm not really excited about that. So, you know, I'm definitely aware of that. And I try to try to have new stuff pretty frequently. And like I said, just vary what you show. Um, also like a variety of different types of products, like not right. just prints, not just prints have, you know, do a sketchbook, uh, do, uh, a, a comic book, you know, things like that, pins, stickers, you know, have variety trading cards, whatever you want to make, you know, like, so I try to find fun little projects to do in between shows and try to keep my product, uh, assortment varied, I guess. So uh, I make, make efforts with that. Yeah. Perfect. So we're, we'll come back around, right? Um, yeah. I'm going to direct this question back to Chris now. And uh, it's this idea that um, one of the ways to avoid uh, this, this buyer fatigue, of course, is going to be commissions. Because now the, the person who's about to purchase a work from you or is requesting work can actually um, request something of their choice. I want to know, uh, since you've done that at conventions, um, have you done commissions live? Do you take commissions online? 
And how do you manage a commission schedule? I would imagine that anybody who's just getting into the convention scene now, um, that's going to be one of the more challenging um, tasks is to manage a commission schedule. So Chris, let, let us in a little bit on what the, what the commission life is like. Um, I don't usually take commissions at conventions. Um, I will sign books and stuff like that. Um, I don't, uh, mainly because, you know, I, I'm more known for paintings and stuff like that. You know, I don't really sell a lot of sketches, like any of the sketches I was talking about, like for the fairy sketches, I still have all those. Um, I don't sell that kind of work for a couple of reasons at conventions. I normally don't, you know, I, like I said, I'll draw in somebody's book, you know, for free. I don't charge them for that. Although they kind of show up in other places that, that, that it's funny. I just saw a piece that I did for somebody in 2017. It was on like some auction website oh. the other day. Yeah. It was, it was, it was in uh, it was in a frame with Ron English and uh, Hebrew uh, Bentley out in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was the three of us in like one frame and apparently it was on like heritage auction house. And I think it sold for like $1,200. I was like, what? That's I was like, I did crazy. that for that kid for, you know, like for nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so it was weird. But um, as far as like commissions, like I take, I, I don't take up, I don't take um, payment for commissions until it's done. Okay. Uh, mainly because I don't like that uh, job feeling of it. Like I'd rather it be mm. done when it's done. Not that, you know, I need it. You know, if somebody said to me, oh, listen, it's a, it's a birthday present. I need it for like the 19th. I'm like, all right, no problem. I'll get it done by then. Okay. But I don't, I don't really take money up front um, because of that. I just don't want it to be like, you know, I have to get a certain amount of pieces done by this date or else I'm, you know, screwed. So, um, as far, so that's also kind of how the timing goes into it too. You know, like okay. I'll just... I just take a bunch of commissions on and, you know, and, and stay in contact with the people and be like, listen, this is what's going on. You know, this is what I've been doing. Here's some progress shots. And, you know, people are usually okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I found that to be the same in, in, uh, in my experience as well. I've definitely, um, I, I'll talk it through with them and then mm -hmm. progress, you know, progress shots just so they know I'm working on it. And, um, but in my experience, I do take a deposit now yeah. uh, be just because I've been burned in the past. Um, so the deposit isn't something so heavy that makes the people, you know, uncomfortable. Uh, I, I don't want that. I want, I want people to trust me and feel comfortable when they're purchasing work for me. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I guess oh, I get kind of, I'm oh, sorry. I, I guess I get kind of lucky too, because it, it, it's not like I'm doing certainly overly specific work. Yeah. You know, it's not like somebody's like, oh, I'll paint my kids, you know, it's, and then right. like, so, you know, it's more like just if I'm painting a Batman or something like that, and if they flake out on it, I'm still, you know, have still move to it. sell it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. true. Very true. Tom, uh, talk to yep. us about your experience with commissions. Um, yeah, commissions. I, I do commissions at shows. Um, I, tr I tailor my style uh, to that environment uh, specifically, like, you know, if I, if I do a convention, if I do a sketch at a show, it's, I do it in a particular style that's more uh, uh, economical as far as time. Um, you know, I try to I make that clear with the people. You know, I say, you know, yeah, I can do like a bust of a character. I can't do full color right now. I don't have time. You know, I try to be realistic with what I can finish for the person, okay. you know, and, and price things accordingly based on that. Um, I try not to take too many commissions at a show, um, but plenty of plenty of the time. I'm not going to lie; that's that's not an issue. There's not I don't have like tons of people asking me for commissions, but okay. I get a fair amount. And you know, you have to just be realistic about it. And um, it can be a little stressful uh, <laughs> if, it, like, sometimes if you have a couple of commissions lined up and um, you're trying to finish them, you're trying to finish them. You're working your table and you're, you're working on artwork at the same time. It adds an element of, it adds an element of stress to the show. Um, especially if you don't have someone with you who's work, helping you work the table or something like that. And you're trying right. to do commission. And, you know, sometimes I have my brother luckily who comes with me, but sometimes I don't. And so, you know, it can be a little stressful in that way, but yeah, I mean, it's a fun part of it. It's a little stressful, but fun. And, and, and like, you know, I try to just be realistic with, you know, what I can do for someone at, at a show or if they want something more complicated, I'll say, I can take it home, you know, and I can work on it. If you're, if you're not in a rush, I can work on it. It'll take me a couple of days or a week or two. If you're willing to wait and I'll mail it to you, you know, so you can do that also. 
but just, okay. you know, just try to find out what people want, what their, what their expectations are. And, um, I haven't had any really bad experiences doing commissions. It's, uh, you know, other than stressing myself out over, you know, <laughs> getting it done on time or, you know, yeah. and, or to a certain level of quality. Um, but overall it's been pretty good. Um, right. I like what Chris said about taking the payment later. I, I do that as well. I'm like, I don't want you to give me money until, uh, until I'm like done with it. You know, that's generally, generally how I do it too. I'm like, cause I just don't like that feeling of like, okay, now, now this person is like, you know, <laughs> you, you, owe them so, you owe them something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I'm like, you know what? I, yeah. Like I'll get it to you. You know, you'll be, but you know, and I'll take the money if you're happy with it and, and we're all good. So I like that. That dynamic works better for me personally. So great. Jay, yeah. before you ask the next question, um, what's been your experience with commissions? I definitely, I take money up front. I've, okay. I've been burned hard. Yeah. Uh, serious. Um, yeah. It's, multiple times so when i work with clients now i'm super professional which is funny because in real life i'm not the most <laughs> professional person but if anyone wants to work with me i have a contract they need to sign it they need to know how much money they give me up front there's a schedule that basically you know i give them i lay it out but i also have like you know wording on it that says like the schedule is based on like essentially like you not dragging your ass like i'll get your stuff done in in two weeks but if you take two weeks to give me feedback you're not getting it in two weeks so don't mm -hmm. complain to me <laughs> so i basically I, i've taken all all the issues that i've ever had with clients and i've put them into a contract just to make sure that i can lessen my headache um Makes sense. but by doing that actually that it has lessened my headache a lot um and you know since implementing you know deposits and contracts and being very upfront with uh the people i work with it's pretty smooth and pretty seamless. Um, and, you know, I overall have a great experience with uh, the clients I work with. And I think, you know, I, I try my hardest to make sure that I, I know what their vision is, you know, from the jump. So yeah. you know, the first thing I always do with them is just, you know, either meet with them or now in, in pandemic worlds, you know, jump on a Zoom or a call with them and really talk through kind of, what they want and what i've learned is you know when you're dealing with clients especially non-creative clients uh you know sometimes it's just that conversation really getting to what they want like they know what they want mm -hmm. and i think as creatives sometimes we're like just say it man like you, you know what you want just explain it but non-creative people are sometimes just like yeah i want you know this thing and i want it to kind of look like this and so it's really like pulling that out of them and, and like being like okay can you show me something that looks like what you and they're like this thing right here and i'm like oh so you want x y and z and they're like yeah exactly that's exactly <laughs> what i want and i'm like that's great like i just saved myself like two weeks and three three different like rounds of work to to figure <laughs> out what you want seven sketchbooks worth of, of <laughs> crazy <images>. craziness <laughs> and and going and going back to the idea of the process um you know the same thing like i'll try to get them that first round very rough sketch as soon as possible just so i can make sure that i'm not you know swerving right and they wanted me to go left uh but yeah all right um you're up uh so tom so for the people that that you know are listening that are basically just learning about you why don't you tell them a little bit about uh battle skull it's okay. definitely something that i just learned about dito put me on to your right. art so uh, let the world know about battle skull all right Battle Skull. Uh, Battle Skull is my passion project. He's, uh, it's, he's my character that I, I came up with him. I don't know. It's been a good number of years now, probably five or six years. Um, and just been developing backstory for the character, uh, various products that I want to put the character on. And, you know, like I want to do a comic book, which I did a small ash can a couple of years ago, which is like a small, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Uh, basically like a sketchbook version of a comic book. And mm. um, I'm working right now on the, on the full color. Uh, I'm doing like a, a, a big full color, nicely finished book. Uh, it's just taking me a long time because I, I'm paying for the colors and paying for the lettering all by myself. So it's just my own uh, passionate creation. I'm trying to get it self-published, get it out there to people. Um, and I'm just having fun with it. I'm I love uh, I'm making the comics. I'm doing trading cards. I'm doing like a little, rubber figurine for the characters. I'm just kind of like living out my childhood fantasies, taking this character and, 
and you know, even though he hasn't been picked up by some major company, I'm the major company and I'm, I'm making all the stuff I want to make, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, with that character. So, um, I mean, as far as the character himself, Battle Skull is a, uh, he's a little skeleton soldier, skeleton warrior. Um, my whole, my basic little idea with him was that, you know, the skeleton warrior, like the typical, um, you know, skeleton with a sword and shield is always the cannon fodder. He's always the, he's always the villain. He's always the, yeah, yeah. the, the throwaway, the throwaway character, in, you know, in, in a video game or whatever. It's like the skeletons pop out of the ground, you destroy them, you move on. So I said, all right, let me take the skeleton guy and make him <laughs> the main character. <laughs> you know. Look at you just helping out the underdog. <laughs> yeah. So that's what Battle Skull is all about. For me, I'm like, okay, Battle Skull is going to be this heroic, powerful, uh, skeleton soldier and i and i can use his world and his story to just throw in all the stuff that i love all the stuff i'm inspired by like he-man masters of the universe thundercats it's a little bit of star wars in there whatever like whatever i'm feeling influenced by i can kind of throw it into his his world create a character that you know kind of hits that uh vibe that i'm looking for and yeah write write a story around that so it's just it's like it's my little sandbox my personal passion project sandbox where i can do whatever i want to do so i just need to get more stuff out there get more stuff finished <laughs> but you know are you but, um, are, are you in your in your you know in your plans do you have a a projected date that you would like to have this finished or are you not put applying that pressure to yourself um right now i for i have the major like color book is like so near to done i want to say i'm going to say a an optimistic August for, for one book, one major book. Um, but it could be like fall, you know, I'm not, at this point I've blown so many promised deadlines with it. I'm like, I probably should stop saying <laughs> when it's going to be ready, but um, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm really close now for real. I'm not, okay. not BSing anybody. It's like, this thing is, you know, I've got pretty much all the elements I need are together. I just need to print this book and then I'm going to hype it and, you know, I want to make sure it's finished before I really start getting out there with it being like, Hey, I've got my book, you know? Mm -hmm. So, cause I, I, you know, I've definitely like, I've talked a lot about battle skull for years because I've always been working on it, but I haven't produced enough finished product, but there is serious finished product right around the corner right now. So I'm very excited about it and uh, I'm excited to share start sharing more with people. Um, but no, no hard release date right now but it's close okay. very close <laughs> good uh, well we look forward to seeing uh where battle school goes and uh, hopefully it. it's in the near future so you can get this thing off the ground man. yes it's coming man i'll put it all over the place come out social media and all that stuff so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> chris um i want to talk about events uh so um in our conversations and uh what I've grown to know about you. Um, there are events that have played pivotal roles in your career as an artist. Some of those events include uh, Secret Walls, Five Points, and Pow Wow. Um, I, I, I would like for you to share with our audience what your experiences like have been in participating in those. It's, I, I assume that the answer is gonna be a little different than collaboration. I could have moved the question up earlier, but I still feel like, um, like the events have played uh, such a, or I assume have played a pivotal role in your career that I think I would like for us to know a little bit more about that. Yeah, they're okay. That's <laughs> now, um, so Secret Walls is fun. I mean, that's just a, it's a fun time. Um, you know, it's, it's a, for those who people don't know, uh, Secret Walls is like a, a battle event where you have um, uh, a certain amount of time to create a piece. Uh, you're given usually black paint, uh, whether it's spray paint or um, acrylic paint uh, markers, but it's always black and white. Um, there's no erasing because there's no sketching. So you're basically just kind of going at the piece and just doing what you can do when you can. Um, and it's all timed and you're usually up against somebody. And then after your pieces are done, you know, they do like a, a vote to who wins. Um, I've done a couple of those. Those are really fun. Uh, one I got to do uh, down in Little Italy in New York was uh, it was me, uh, Crash, Giz, and Zymad against another team of artists. Um, That's interesting. And yeah, that was that one was incredible. I mean that 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 was great because it was a collaboration. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah. Um, so that was a fun one. Um, but that was all black and white spray paint on a white wall. Um, I think that's still down there actually. Um, and then, uh, let me see five points. Five points is always fun. Um, usually I don't, when I do the live painting, I usually just do the live painting, like, um, like a, like a jam. Mm. Uh, I don't usually do the competition thing. Okay. Only because, um, I just, I just, I just like to just kind of go and have fun. Sure. Um, and usually what happens is afterwards, they usually auction the pieces off and they go to the piece, the, the money for the pieces go to like a charity. So oh, I always like cool. doing that. Yeah. That's always fun. Um, and something like powwow power was incredible. Like I was, you know, I, I did it up in, uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, you know, I was honored to be invited. Uh, they treat the artists incredibly well. I mean, mm. you know, like basically as soon as I got out of my car, you know, they were just happy to see me, gave me, you know, t-shirt hats, a goodie bag with all kinds of food and snacks, stuff that could get you through, you know, the time while you're there painting, they give you the paint. Um, you know, and I, I painted on, um, when I was up there, I painted on a couple of school. I was, it was one school, but I painted a couple of pieces. Um, I did uh, ro the robots holding different signs with like kind of positive messages. Uh, like one uh, said, uh, you got this, um, uh, you know, and another one had, you know, that said, uh, I got this, you know, just stuff that kind of would, you know, be positive for the kids to see. Cause it was, you know, like yeah. a younger school. Um, I mean, that, that event was just incredible. I mean, mm. you know, uh, they've all definitely had, is crazy like doing these things like you kind of like you get excited about doing them and you know you do them and the after the i don't want to say the aftermath but the the after effects of it kind of don't hit you until you start seeing it a couple of days later right. because you start seeing people posting pictures of it and you start seeing things and you're just like holy crap i did experience that i did get mm. to do that that's a it's a crazy feeling and you know it's a good one so, so most of them have been by invitation or all of them. yeah I don't... yeah all, all by invitation yeah. okay so that's great all right so it's good to know yeah i i was i was wondering that um i've, I've been a fan of all these events that that um we're talking about but i had never known how the artists or what the selection process was like and i've always wondered what like you said the after effects are to see something like to see uh your work immortalized with off of an event of you know and in addition to what you are already doing in your gallery work and, and yeah. your personal work yeah a lot of that stuff is invite i mean i'm going to be honest with you uh usually don't it's like i i haven't i don't think i've been showing and selling work since i'm about 18 years old you know in galleries and stuff like that i've never actually kind of like put i stopped putting out like um like portfolios and stuff like that because yeah. in the beginning I did get kind of shot down. And when I got shot down, it actually kind of was the catalyst to starting robots will kill on the website because like I was, I was, I think like 20 or 21 years old and I was going to galleries with my like slides and stuff like that, trying to get them to, you know, like look at my work and half of them didn't even want to talk to me because I was too young. Mm. So like, that was like a, a really weird kind of off putting thing. So that's why we started the website because like, I just felt like, artists needed a community like that you didn't get kind of like you know treated a certain way because they thought you were too young to show like so so the whole invitation thing like has always kind of been weird not weird i mean the applying has always kind of been weird to me you know because yeah. like, it's just kind of always kind of i guess that, that just always left a really bad taste in my mouth so when i get the invitation it's always exciting for me you know awesome <laughs> um so we have a a uh, listener submitted question. And so we'll ask this one and we'll kind of wrap it up from there. Uh, so the question is, you each have found professional success in different fields as artists. What would you tell a young artist who keeps hearing it's too hard to make it, uh, to make a career out of uh, being an artist? <laughs> one, of, one of the craziest memories I have was in college, uh, my, my advisor, my art advisor, um was having a session we had these like advisor classes and she said point blank uh you get used to being broke 
Like as an artist, you're always going to be broke. This was my advisor telling me this. And I was just like, I don't, at that point I was like, maybe I should change my major. Um, Yeah. And I heard that a lot growing up because as artists, you're always like, yeah, you're going to be a starving artist. You're going to be a broke artist. Uh, And it it wasn't until later in life that I started to learn that you can, you can actually make money doing it. If you find your own, you have to kind of carve your own niche and that's how you make it. Um, but at the same time, if you if you dwell too much on the money aspect of it, you start to forget why you were an artist to begin with. And it's for me, it's always been really important to separate that out, to separate the financial aspect of it from just being creative. Because um, as soon as I find myself putting too much emphasis on the money aspect of it, it starts to pull that creativity away and it feels too much like a job. And I've never wanted to feel like my art was a job. I wanted to feel like it was an extension of just me expressing myself. Uh, oh yeah. Totally. Time um, for it, man. All right. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was great. Um, I, I can relate to a lot of that as well. Um, yeah. Grew up like, you know, my parents were not exactly enthusiastic about the idea of like me doing art for a living, you know, like they, that was alien to them. And, um, I still don't honestly do art full time for a living, so I'm not maybe not the best person to ask about this. But as far as um, you know, those fears and the negativity that you experience around you, you know, you have to push through it if you're if you're really truly uh, passionate about your work and art making, and that's essential to who you are. Which I think for most true artists, it is. You just need to keep doing that, and you know, it's cheesy, but you know, never give up for real. Like just keep doing what you do, but also, you know, be level-headed and practical, do what you need to do um, to take care of yourself, take care of your family, um, but never let your, your artistic pursuits, you know, uh, be squashed by what somebody else says or, or by negative, negative outlook or negative thinking. Um, for me, I ended up finding a balance, you know, um, going into education uh, being able to, you know, uh, have kind of a quote unquote practical day job teaching art or whatever. I mean, it doesn't have to be teaching art. It can be any other kind of practical day job and then still pursuing your art at your, on your own terms in your free time. That's one way you can go. Uh, I'm not saying that everybody should do that. If you're, if you're dead passionate about your work and you, you know, you think you have what it takes and you believe in yourself, just go for it and don't be discouraged. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's different ways to approach it. And uh, at the end of the day, you have to be true to yourself. And you yeah. have to be, you know, you have to follow the road that is, uh, you know, necessary for you to follow to have a fulfilling life. So you have to, you can't give up on stuff because of people saying negative things. But that that's definitely a reality out there. You know, art is perceived as something where it's difficult to make money. And, uh, you know, that's not always true, though. There are, there are ways to make money, so. Yeah, uh, I guess, yeah I'm, I'm rambling now, but just <laughs> stick, right. stick to your Pass the baton, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris. Yeah. Um, I, you know, pretty much when I went to school for art, I, I didn't actually go. I went to school for painting, and I made the mistake of not kind of specializing in one specific field. Um, because I, in my head, I was like, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to show my artwork, you know, and that's it. That's what I'm going to do for a living and do art. Um, I probably should have went into something like package design or advertising design, toy design, any of those things, because I would still be doing art, but I'd have some kind of specific field. Um, I didn't do that. And I just kind of just like out of the gate, had to get a job. I had to get a nine to five job. Um, and, you know, I still have a nine to five job. Uh, but that nine to five job helps me want to go home and paint. And it makes me not kind of resent painting. And it doesn't make me kind of like feel like it's, you know, if I don't paint, you know, 10 paintings this week, I'm not going to eat. And I mean, that's, that's a comfort that unfortunately I think is kind of like gotten my way, but it helps. Um, but to tell like what I would tell artists, you know, 
it is never give up. Like Tom said, you you just never give up because as long as you're doing what you think you love and what you feel is right, it it's not selling out. It's not, you know, cashing in. It's just doing what you do. You know, it's like, I kind of have been returning back to the, the mentality of painting to paint, not painting to sell. Um, you know, when I was 13 years old and I was drawing, I didn't think I was going to sell paintings, you know, I thought I was doing art because it was my outlet. It was my freedom. It was what I could do. And I'm, I'm now with this whole pandemic going on and I'm kind of just returning to that, returning to the idea that art was my escape and art was the reason why, you know, uh, I had fun doing it. Not because I was going to, you know, sell it and, you know, and make my mortgage, you know? So that's like, I like, what I would just tell artists now is just kind of be true to like, you know, like you guys are saying, it's just be true to yourself and be true to what you believe in. You know, don't, don't ride the wave. Don't follow the trends because those trends aren't going to be there next year. You know, do what you do because you love doing it. I don't even know if you guys left me any space to answer the question at this <laughs> point, but, but, uh, but, I, but I'll say this. Um, and when I had a t-shirt company for a while, and I was, uh, I did a little bit of an apprenticeship under one of my father's friends. And uh, he basically uh, told myself and my business partner, uh, real simple, and I think this applies, is that uh, there's money out there for everybody. So, um, you know, you find your niche, you kick ass in that niche, and you'll see the success, you know, it, it'll happen. And then, you know, apply everything else that all these other wonderful artists just said. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, awesome. Well, uh, guys, I, you know, we're going to wrap up. I just want to first and foremost, thank you guys for taking the time out. This has been amazing. Um, before we do close, uh, why don't you tell anyone who's listening how they connect with you the best way to see your work or reach out to you? For me, um, my best, my main spot is Instagram. It's um, at, at Tom Travers art. Um, I think that's what it currently is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, cha I changed it once or twice. I got to check. I, I had to change it cause I was, I was a substitute teacher and all the kids were finding my, like, <laughs> so I think it's at Tom Travers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you can, you can search the, the hashtag Tom Travers art and you'll find my stuff. I also have facebook.com backslash battle skull, um, which I don't update as often, but I will be updating it uh, much more regularly soon. Um, and then I've got my old blog, which is, uh, traversart.blogspot.com. So any of those spots are great. And I think I have my email, if anybody's interested in commissions or anything like that, you can always contact me. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. Thank you guys so much for having me tonight too. And I'm so sorry for being late. I feel absolutely horrible about that. So <laughs> apologize. I appreciate you guys having us on. Uh, thank you. Um, and people could find me mostly on Instagram. That's going to be the best place. Most current work. It's at Chris RWK. You could also check at robots will kill. We usually show other artists and kind of, you know, help push, push other people's artwork and events going on. Thank you guys. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, uh, if you're listening live, you're listening after the fact, uh, One Love Art Sessions. Uh, you can catch any of these sessions on all major podcast platforms. So we're on Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, anywhere podcasts are sold, I guess. <laughs> uh, you can also <laughs> check us out at uh, OneLoveArtSessions.com. Instagram is One Love Art Sessions. Twitter is One Love Art Sesh, S-E-S-S. -S. Yep. Uh, all of those website, Instagram, Twitter are updated uh, pretty daily. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, check out, check us out live at our future shows. Check us out on the podcast. Uh, it's been amazing having you guys on uh, and thank you everyone for listening. The One Love Art Sessions couldn't have been complete without the wonderful guests and even more so our wonderful community. And now you, our listeners. Our goal is to put out an episode three to four times a month based on the event schedule. We hope you are as excited for the next one as we are. We'd truly appreciate it if you took some time to rate and review the podcast. With your help, we could increase listenership and get these incredible stories and messages out to a greater audience. The music used in this podcast was created by Pound, a.k.a. Chris Lee. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. One love.